DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. Steve, good morning. Good morning. Steve, I don't know if you're aware, but Shaquille O'Neal stirred up the state of Utah. Certainly a gazillion jazz fans living in the state of Utah. Talking about Donovan Mitchell, is he a superstar? Is he good enough to uh, get it done in the playoffs? Can he do something other than scoring to help his team win? Now, this leads to a thousand conversations. And I think there were some assumptions built into what he said that actually are pretty, uh, pretty positive about the Jazz, but people don't really hear that. And it came when, you know, it's post game interview and expect some softball question that's nice, that leads to a nice, easy answer and feel good about the win. And instead, it was, you're not good enough. So, of course, it went over really poorly. Um, <laughs> so, so I don't know where you want to jump in on this, on, on what this means for the Jazz and, and how people hear it and how it impacts the team, but anywhere you want to jump in because I literally think I, we could not ask you another question. You could talk about this for 20 minutes and finish this segment. Yeah. Um, you, know, you know what? I, I was not aware of a lot of that. And, uh, but here, here's the thing for me with, with Donovan Mitchell is that he, he is an elite player. And, uh, you know, we live in a world that is so transparent and that there's a microphone in front of everyone on any given moment, on any different topic. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so these types of things uh, tend to happen more often than not. And uh, the, the world that, uh, that NBA players and the NFL and, you know, all of professional sports uh, with social media as it is and everything, everything gets blown out of proportion. For me personally, just in terms of me watching Donovan Mitchell, uh, he he and the Utah Jazz are playing the best basketball they've played in a long, long time. Um, I, I think there's some, not, not to deflect from Donovan, because I think that great players make other good players around them. And, and I think that, his, the commitment from him, from the organization, from the coaching staff and everything tells us that this is a team that is uh, is better than they've been in a long, long time. Now, mind you, I, I understand there are no fans in arenas. There are uh, – the pandemic has been crazy, and uh, half the teams that are underachieving is, has more to do with uh, the, the pandemic and protocol for COVID – it has nothing to do with basketball. But all of that being said, the Jazz have kind of weathered this well. Donovan Mitchell has been the leader of this team. And, and I think sometimes, and I still consider himself a young player in the league, but I think that uh, anybody that is taking this young man for granted or he himself is thinking that they're not where they need to be is wrong. Because I, I just, for me personally, as I watch them play, and I don't get to see all the games that, that – that you see up there, but just in watching what I've watched, uh, man, I, I, I think this is the best they've been in the last four or five years. And again, you could tell me, okay, the competition hasn't been what it's been or whatever it might be, but I just feel like with Connolly's development and all of a sudden he has a presence and I mean, he's the most improved player. And I think he's, he's better because Donovan Mitchell is there. And because Donovan Mitchell attracts a lot of attention, he's going to get open shots. They got the best six man in the in the conference, and Jordan Clarkson uh, got elite coaching. You know, I mean, 
you can go on and on. But I think this is a time to enjoy the Jazz, to understand. I mean, listen, this is a really good league, and we watch every night where teams that you don't think can win games win or winning games because here's the thing. People underestimate the players in the NBA. Some two people are hurt. How could they, you know, how could the Jazz beat this team when somebody wasn't playing or somebody else wasn't playing? Because there's a lot of really good players in this league. And and I think that given an opportunity, which many of them are being given because of the COVID protocol, we're seeing upsets. We're see, we're shaking our heads and saying, "Oh, how does that happen? How does that team get beat?" And, and it's because the players are really good. So uh, I don't know a lot about this whole thing with Donovan Mitchell, but I can just tell you this: that it's the best I've seen this team play. They've got a chance this week to probably uh, win three or four more games. I mean, probably at least three more games. Uh, they could very well be in first place. Uh, they're close right now. So I don't know that anybody was thinking the Jazz would be in first place or second place after 20 games. I mean, we felt like they are a team that is a second-tier team. They're proving that they can be uh, an upper high-level team that has an opportunity to, to play well against everybody. And, and I think the other thing, too, I didn't mention is that defensively, I think they're better this year than they've been, and, and, and not because of Rudy Gobert, but because everybody else is buying into it, so um, I don't I don't know what all the all the commotion is about it. But I really like this team, and everything statistically lends itself to guys that you know. I I, I know people were on Connolly bad last year, and uh, but he's playing with confidence. Clarkson's playing with confidence, and uh, I don't know. It's it, it's a team that uh, I don't think you can sleep on. That's for sure. So. How much do you think right now, because they've won seven, eight in a row, is a hot streak, or actually it's not as much of a hot streak as it is closer to who they really are? Yes. I, I, you know, I, I like that thought. I like that thought. And, and, and maybe you know, this community and uh, you know, analysts and everybody else, uh, you know, maybe this team has always believed that this is who they could be. I don't know. I'm not around them every day, and I don't get those kind of insights. But it is. I think it is closer to what everybody – I mean, you start thinking about the, the parity in this team where six or seven or eight guys play well every night. There's, you, you see – I mean, there's an occasion. I mean, this is a tough league. You go on the road. But I think at the end of the day – they kind of you kind of know what you're going to get every night. They're going to give you a great effort, and uh, what happens is there's maturity taking place right now. We watch these guys kind of grow up. Now, obviously, Conley's an experienced guy, been around. Clarkson's been around, but as as we watch this team, it's a nice blend of youth, uh, superstars, as well as uh, just a great coaching staff. So. Uh, there is absolutely no reason. Why would you think any differently as a coaching staff or players? That has to be their mindset. You can't become someone that's really elite unless you believe that is who you are and, and, and back it up with a great work ethic and back it up with, uh, you know, just playing hard every night and competing. And it's not hard to play. It's hard to play hard every night when you're playing, you know, a game and you're playing three games or like this week they're playing. I think they're playing four games. Uh, they're playing the Knicks, the Mavs twice, and they're at the Nuggets. Four games, I, I don't think the normal fan understands what that takes out of you. And so it requires depth. It requires guys having a sense of maturity and a sense of urgency. And uh, we, we watch really good teams just kind of go through it and have bad losses. 
the, the Jazz haven't had that this year. I mean, well, you, you know, they did lose to the Knicks on the road, and, and we thought, oh, my, what's happening? But at the end of the day, they, they've proven that. To me, it proves that I don't care if it's the New York Knicks. If you don't come to play, they can beat you because they have pros, and they have guys that can make baskets. It's just the fact they haven't been given an opportunity. So when all of a sudden superstars go down or the leading scorers go down and people think, well, they, they're going to lose, hmm, maybe not. Maybe somebody else is going to come off the bench, play inspired, and there's a reason that guy got drafted. That's a reason that he, you know, he's there. So we underestimate. I think fans underestimate how good teams really are, and consequently, we, teams don't get near the credit they should when they went on the road or they get behind. And you know, the Jazz have they haven't been that much behind in a lot of games. I mean, they've had they've controlled games with. Uh, having eight and ten and twelve and fifteen point leads, and that's a sign of a good team as well. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, joining us here on ninety-seven five at twelve eighty, the zone. The uh, are the Cougars going to be tested? Because I just have this feeling that they are going to be uh, on a big win streak when they play Gonzaga at the end of the year, and and maybe they drop a road game somewhere, and maybe playing Pepperdine twice in five days. It's kind of a it's kind of a trap that Pepperdine's good enough, but the way BYU defends, defense goes on the road, and when you're trying to win shootouts on the road, there's a risk. But the way they defend, it seems like the risk is lower. You know, you're spot on with that. that I mean, that's, that's the first thing that comes to my mind is that I mean they've got great size and strength and and uh, grit there defensively on rebounding. And uh, I, I think they've found ways that you don't have to score 90 points. And, I, you know, it, it's a team. I was talking to somebody the other day about this. And, you know, you've got three transfers that are fifth-year seniors who you, there's no – you know, I mean, they, they're bought in. And when you have leadership like that with Marcello Harms, Everett, you know, I mean, these are guys that have been playing. And, and so they come in. Barcello obviously had a role last year, but not like he has this year. But they have depth, and everybody is competing, and they do have them playing at a really high level defensively. So, yes, they can go on the road. They can win with scoring 58 points. Um, and, I, and I think they will be tested in a couple of games. But winning at St. Mary's, winning at USF, mind you again, uh, you know, there's, there's no home court, real significant home court advantage. Uh, but like there would be if there are fans there. But this isn't really a conference that has a lot of fans in the seat anyway unless it's Gonzaga, St. Mary's, or BYU. So, they're, you know, BYU is, has been playing in front of kind of empty arenas anyway. In fact, if anything, it probably hurts BYU because they travel so well and have such a fan base that there's usually, you know, three, four, five hundred fans when they go on the road. But I, I agree with you. I think defensively they're really, really good. And they have a poster. You know, the one thing offensively about them is they just keep coming at you north-south and, you know, with ball screens and with post-ups and backdoor cuts and uh, they wear teams down, and, and they're hard to guard. They, got, they, have, they have great size, but they're, they're playing with a sense of urgency. They have a lot of confidence. Harward is, is a guy that people underestimate and just how big and strong he is. He's turning into a really, really good player. And, and you know, their wings are – they're not great, but they're solid. And they're all 6'6", six, 6'5", six, 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 and, you know, we, we know what the – like a young man like Caleb Lohner, we know what his upside is, he's, but he's still a freshman. But but at, at the end of the day, uh, they have the pieces, and uh, when you go win on the road, I mean, they they've had, I mean Utah State, San Diego State, St. Mary's, USF, all road wins against really well coached teams. So 
Yeah, I, I do believe they can win on the road, and I do believe they can put a streak together because they do defend. And like you said, they, they, they you know, defense travels, man. That's that's how you win on the road is your guard and your rebound and stay games close. And they're they're a pretty high IQ team. They don't really make a lot of mistakes, and uh, and and certainly Barcelo's a guy that is just an, an elite competitor. And so, yeah, I, I think uh, they're not they're not Gonzaga, okay, but. Uh, they're a really good basketball team. I think they go to the NCAA tournament uh, as long as they stay healthy and, you know, the uh, unknown happens. But I, I, I like this team because of the of the things that they do that aren't as flashy this year. You know, last year they had three pretty elite players, Haas, Childs, and Tulson. They shot it well. Uh, this year they're doing it differently, but with, with really, you know, a, a sense of purpose defensively and rebounding the ball. So we speak of rebounding. I, I think I'm a little disappointed in Harms' ability or inability to rebound. You know, seven three. So there's going to be high expectations. But I am massively impressed. And I can't state it enough with Loner's ability to rebound. This kid, for his height, is a rebounding machine. What makes that so? You know, his timing. He's he's really explosive. You know, you look at him, and, and uh, he's kind of a thick kid, so you wonder how bouncy he is. But now he's really bouncy, and he's really strong, and he's got a lot of girth to him. But he has the agility to, to you know, yeah. I mean, he, he, his ceiling is is really high. And um, you know, you look at guys, young guys, and you know, he's not scoring maybe like maybe people thought he would. They don't need him to score. They need him to do just what you're talking about. That they they need him to rebound, and I think his ability. You know, good good rebounders. You know, they're they're going to the ball all the time. They don't stand. They, you know, it's hard to block him out. He's moving. You know, he's doing everything he can. And I think right now he's accepted that role. They they don't. You know, it'd be great if he was knocking threes down and everything. But he's a pretty mature young man that understands that for them to win. You know, if he has six, seven, eight rebounds a game, he can. And he's getting better defensively. But he's got a girth and an athleticism about him that's really bouncy. And it just has a knack for it. I mean, and not everybody has that. And, and Howard, you know, being a big guy as well. And I think the other thing, when you have a seven four, seven five, however tall Harvard is, and you've got, uh, you know, a six eleven, seven foot Harvard, you know, guys spend a lot of attention trying to, you know, keep those guys off the boards. Loner has the freedom to just go crash it and go. And so, because there is the other bigs uh, bring a lot of attention and take up a lot of space. Whereas Caleb, Caleb has a he just got an explosiveness to him. His lift is is quick and explosive, and you can see it at times even offensively. But he's just right now he, he's too quick offensively. He needs to slow down, and then he you know by the end of this year he he could be a guy that could count on for ten, twelve, thirteen points a game as well as he gets more confident. But uh, I agree, I agree. I mean. He, he and Harvard are both guys who are just aggressive. That's the, the mindset of this team is they really have aggressive uh, and they're able to sustain it. You know, they, 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 they play hard and they, they still, you know, they make mistakes. They're not necessarily pretty to watch offensively, but who cares? I mean, at, at times they struggle offensively, but they make it up at the other end. And, uh, you know, and I think that, you know, they're not 34% three-point shooting. It's, it's good enough. It's good enough, and they're, you know I think they're close to forty rebounds a game. So, yeah, I love Caleb Loner, and I I, I think we're all going to really, a couple of years from now, realize how good he really is, and 
and uh, what his ceiling is. So, in the gazillion years since I played high school basketball at a freakishly mediocre level, Steve, nothing has changed. Even the three-point shot, I don't think it's been as surprising a change as rebounding. You watch an NBA game now, and only one guy is allowed to go get an offensive rebound. The other four have to get back. And the way they get back just tells you, watching multiple coaches on multiple teams have threatened guys, if you don't get back, you're coming out of the game. Because they get back with a purpose. They are not getting beat on the break, and they will concede the offensive rebound. Now, in college, there's still a little bit of a battle for rebounding, so a guy like Loner can really show his stuff. But there's, there's a lot of uncontested rebounds in NBA games. Have you adapted to that, or does that still, I don't know, bug you when you watch a game once in a while? You know what, it, it is, I mean, I'm, I watch NBA games, and I watch quite a bit of the NBA, and uh, it's hard enough to guard these guys, uh, you know, when it's one-on-one and you got a hand in their face, <laughs> and uh, but you, you have no chance of guarding them when there's a three-on-two or a three-on-one break, and you're not going to stop them. And I remember as a, as a college coach, you know, when we played really elite teams that could push the ball and score, you know, we'd send four back all the time. I mean, it was like, you know, we're going to go four back. We cannot give this team transition baskets because once they start getting those, you know what that does? It impacts their confidence. And so all of a sudden, I mean, I remember as a player, you know, in, in a game, I wanted to get to the free throw line early. I wanted to get a layup early. All of a sudden, that basket seemed like it was four feet wide when I did that. When my first, you know, three or four shots were threes and uh, or long twos, it was one of the because I wasn't playing with the threes, but even in college, it was one of those things that I, I scored better. And so coaches know this; they know that you don't want to let a team get their confidence by not getting back. And so I, I remember when we felt like this was a big part of what they were doing. And let's face it, most NBA teams, every team, they, they don't have to have superstars. I mean, at every level, every team has people that can push it, finish around the rim. And when there's two on ones and three on ones, you got no chance. College, once in a while, high school, you know, you you can get away with that, but not at this level. And so, and what you don't want to do is give teams confidence early in the game. If anything, early on, we, we would like start four back, have and, and just take everything away, make them earn it in the half court. And then, as the game went on, and uh, you know, things were, we had things under control. We'd maybe just three back and send two to the class, but. Uh, no, you notice that a lot, and there's a reason. I mean, it's you just can't afford to get teams get into a confident role. And I mean, we're watching. You know, I was watching the uh, the Cleveland. I watched that Cleveland Brooklyn game, and I don't know what time of the day it was or what it was. And I and I sat there and watched Cleveland, who who has really good pros. And Sexton went for about forty that night, forty some that night. But I'm thinking to myself, here we got these guys. You know, you've got Brooklyn loaded. How, how, how are these guys playing with them? How do they beat them twice in a week? Because they have really good players that just a lot of people haven't heard of or the media doesn't spend a lot of attention to. And if you don't guard them, and if you don't give back, you're going to get beat by them. And that's the thing I've taken from the NBA more than anything because I did not watch the NBA a lot when I was a college coach. But now it's kind of what I do watch. And I watch, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll watch teams and coaches I know that, you know, that I know in the business. But most of the basketball I watch is the NBA. And I'm not an analytical guy or anything. I mean, I just watch it because I enjoy it. And, uh, and it's, it's fun to see what people are doing at that level and how things change. But, 
yeah, I, the, I last thing you want to do is, is give teams confidence and coach, you know, every coach knows that. And the best way is to not get back on defense. So I don't think that's going to change. Talents is too good, too strong. And you got to make them shoot over you and through you. And let's face it, the really elite guys do. And they're doing it from 27, 28 feet, hand contested, boom, down. We, we take that for granted, to be honest with you, as fans. We, we take for granted what they're doing with, uh, the, you know, the, the types of shots that are being made with contested hands, you know, from 28, 29 feet. Uh, the, the league has changed in that way. I mean, it's, it, it, it's, that's why I think it's so entertaining and fun to watch. Steve, we appreciate the time. Good to talk as always, and we'll talk to you again next week. All right, guys. Take care. Have a great week.